The 2-1 pitch, a little looper in the air, caught by the shortstop, Jax Biggers, and Arkansas takes game one, 4-1. They've done it the hard way this year in Omaha. It's not over yet. The Beavers believe they still have two big punches in them remaining, and they'll get a second chance tomorrow night in game two of the best of three championship series. After making it all the way through the loser's bracket in Omaha and reaching the championship series, Oregon State lost game one to Arkansas, meaning there's one path to the national championship, win two games in a row. After Tuesday night's loss, game two was the very next day, and there were already some problems for OSU even before the game began. And already a very eventful day for today's starting lineup three different cards as Pat Casey has tried to put together the lineup that will help the Beavers go out and win and keep their season alive. The uncertainty had to do with Oregon State's leadoff hitter and center fielder Stephen Kwan. He had re-injured his hamstring in game one and was unsure if he could play in game two. I remember for warm-ups we tried doing some sprints and my sprint was maybe like 70 percent. Naturally, there was some temptation to play through it since it's not like Quan gets to play in the College World Series every weekend. In fact, his college career would end after this series. I was trying to tell myself, oh, I'm good, and then it went to, I'm good enough, and then it's, all right, I'll figure something out, and then it was, yeah, probably not. So Quan had to put the interests of the team ahead of his own. If I'm in the outfield and I let a ball go over my head and like I'm jogging to get it, like that just can't happen. It just took a lot of soul searching for that one where I just had to tell Case, I was like, I'm not gonna be a liability to the team. I can't play next man up. And that really, that really hurt, but I knew we had the guys for it. So I wasn't worried about us not winning the game. It just hurt me selfishly that I wanted to be in the game. Kwani, you know, is a tremendous leadoff guy, been one of our best guys, producers. He's gonna play, takes BP, comes back, says he can't play, gotta put Preston Jones in the game. Oregon State would be a man down in what could be the last game of the 2018 season. This podcast gives free advertising to charities, including Kingdom Home. So Kingdom Home, our goal is to end child sex trafficking through prevention. We want to meet the physical, emotional, spiritual, and educational needs of boys and girls in our homes who are at risk of entering the sex trade. This is former Oregon State pitcher Matt Boyd. Matt and his wife Ashley established Kingdom Home in 2018. It's really, really special. It's just children who are living as children should, just pure joy, knowing that they will have a future going forward. Kingdom Home provides kids in Uganda with a safe place to live, access to education, and a path to either college or vocational training. With three homes for girls and another for boys, Kingdom Home is transforming the lives of over 100 kids. We're trying to equip leaders of tomorrow to hopefully make an impact in their way in their country. To learn more about Kingdom Home and how you can help, go to kingdomhome.org. That's kingdomhome.org. This is Dynasty in the Woods, the story of Beaver Baseball. I'm Josh Warden. I'm an Oregon State reporter. Thanks for joining me for episode 14. We're nearly finished reliving the 2018 Oregon State baseball postseason. We're in the championship series between Oregon State and Arkansas. And on this episode, we take a look back at game two. But at the end of the day, you can say all you want to say. It's right down deep in your soul and your will that gets you through the things that are very, very difficult. And then it's amazing how that same challenge arises when you're fighting for the very top prize. 
This is Mike Parker welcoming you to game two of the best of three national championship series between the Beavers and the Arkansas Razorbacks. We got thumped pretty hard the first game and you know we were, we were kind of down after it but we always had a way of bouncing back. Our coaching staff has an unwavering confidence in this team's ability to win this whole thing. There, there's absolutely no doubt in our minds that these guys are the best baseball team in the country. That was really the attitude of Oregon State baseball, man, is we were going to keep coming up after you. It didn't matter. Like if you were against us, put the umpires against us. Put the whole entire 20,000 Arkansas fans in the stadium doing the woo pig, suey, or whatever, and we're going to compete. No matter who we played, no matter how far back we were, we were never out of it because we would come back in such a way that I had never seen any other team do it before. You know, obviously, yeah, they were good. We knew they were good. But I think at the same time, we knew we were the best team in the country. There's no question when I think back to that World Series. Game two of the championship series comes to mind because I, I don't know that I've ever seen a game like it and probably will never see another one like it. Here we go on a gorgeous night in Omaha. Left-hander Casey Murphy to work, delivers a strike to Beaver leadoff hitter Nick Madrigal, and we're underway. Here in the top of the first, Madrigal swings and drives one to center. Still going back, but making an over-the-shoulder grab, and nicely done, Dominic Fletcher. As Madrigal drives the ball to straightaway center and very deep. Casey Murphy, the lefty, back to the plate, 0-2. Grenier drives this one to deep left center field. Dominic Fletcher goes back on this one, reaches up on the warning track, makes the catch. Both Madrigal and Grenier hit the ball right on the screws, 400 feet, and both of them end up getting retired. For later, it might mean something. The baseball gods have a way of evening things out. Two almost home runs and two outs. But Trevor Larnick and Adley Rutschman followed with base hits, and that brought up Michael Gretler with two outs. Comes to the plate again, 2-2, two, two, swung out and missed, strike three. Everything's rolling right for Arkansas, quite frankly, from the intangibles, the momentum, the calls, etc. The Beavers scorch four balls in the inning and come up empty. Bottom of the first inning, no score. Caden Grenier directly behind the bag at second. And here's a ground ball to the right of Nick Madrigal. He, he gets out of the way. He should have fielded it. He lets Grenier go to his left to field. They must have been calling for the ball, and Grenier kicks it. And it's another error on the Beavers, who just have not played, even though they're in the championship series, clean baseball in Omaha. That's 10 errors for the Beavers in the College World Series. At this point, they were averaging an error every five and a half innings, easily twice as often as the rest of the season. The defense wasn't great during the College World Series, which was very uncharacteristic. But I don't think anybody ever really thought of that. They were like, hey, we are still winning. We're still finding a way to stay in this thing. So it doesn't matter how many errors we make. We're still going to find a way to make up for those and win ball games. And in this inning, Caden didn't need too much patience to have another chance at a ground ball. In fact, he had four ground balls hit to him in the first inning alone, and the other three he handled just fine. Ground ball to Grenier. Caden throws to Madrigal at second, so that outstanding keystone combination that we have been blessed to watch for three years misses a play together. They don't miss the one for the third out. A 6-4 fielder's choice. No runs, no hits, an error, one left. The Beavers again went scoreless in their second time at bat, and in the bottom of the second, Arkansas started something dangerous. 
A strike two pitch. Here we go. I'm sorry, Jim. I almost lost my pen. A strike two hit batter. I, I'm just astonished by that. The hit batter. The consistency of Beaver pitchers ahead of counts hitting batters. I don't, I don't get it. It looked like Jared Gates moved into the ball and maybe still did not even get hit at all, but a hit-by-pitch call is not reviewable. A couple batters later, the bases were loaded with Jared Gates on third base. Bryce Fumble again from the stretch, delivers 2-1, low and in, and the ball gets away from Adley Rutschman. And Jared Gates comes in to score. It's 1-0, and this is Gates scoring with the other runners moving up 90 feet. Jared Gates scoring when he was hit, maybe, Femmel limited the damage to one run, but this is just yet another controversial play shifting the tide in the championship series. It's a gift run for Arkansas for the lead here. Indeed a gift. The runner should not have been on base. Arkansas already being up 1-0 in the series, now led 1-0 in this game after just the second inning. Caden pops it up, so it's an easy 1-2-3 inning. A quick top of the third inning for Oregon State, and the Beavers were still scoreless. Then, Arkansas had more surprises in the bottom of the third. Price's 2-1 pitch is in the dirt. Ball 3-3-1. Three, three Last inning, a hit, batter, a walk. Two of them, in fact, two walks, a hit, batter, a single, a wild pitch, leading to the Arkansas run. And Femmel may be coming out of the game. The pitch on the way to Kerstad, low and inside, ball 4. That's three walks and a hit batter, and here comes Nate Yeski, and that's all for Bryce Femmel. Femmel, who was the ever-reliable workhorse for Oregon State, recorded just six outs in his final start of the season. And again, what a great young man he is, what a competitive kid he is. He's won 26 games at Oregon State, but he's out of the game in the third tonight here in Omaha. Oregon State had gotten all the way to the championship series without a quality start from either of its top two pitchers. In came Brandon Iser trying to keep it a one-run ball game. Two balls and two strikes, the count to Luke Bonfield. The pitch to Luke is swung on and missed on the change for strike three. The 2-2 fastball taken, strike three called, two down. Isert from the stretch, Kerstad goes, the 1-2 pitch is swung on and missed, strike three. Isert comes in and fans the side. Shades of Christian Chamberlain. After Christian Chamberlain kept Oregon State in the ballgame the day before, Brandon Isert started out the same way. Still 1-0 Arkansas, heading into the top of the fourth inning with Trevor Larnick leading off. I get a lot of questions about Trevor and, and the home runs, and I, my response has really been the same. He's not going to finish the season at 18. It's getting late. Yeah, right. <laughs> we got we got to hit some home runs here, and the Beavers certainly need it. Three and two, the count to Trevor. One nothing, Arkansas in the fourth. Delivers three two and got him swinging. Still nothing doing for Larnick, and so with nobody on base, up stepped the switch hitting sophomore catcher Adley Rutschman. Rutschman was one of the most complete hitters that they had ever seen that entire year. Seth Campbell covers Razorback baseball for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. When he was in the game, you could just see how Arkansas was being so careful to not give him a pitch to where he could change the game. And he could. He could change the game on one single swing. Adley, slightly open stance from the right side of the box, awaits Casey Murphy's strike one pitch. He swings and drives it to deep left field. Back goes Kerstad to the track, to the fence. So long into the bullpen. Rutschman hits it out, and the ball game is even at one.
Boy, the Beavers really needed that. A shot on the arm. They couldn't just hang around because they were behind. It's a mental thing. Whenever you could go from a deficit to tying it up or leading in a game is absolutely, like, it's, it's big time because it, it kind of gives you that clean state again. Psychologically, Mike, for Oregon State, that is a huge lift. The Beavers went to the bottom of the fourth, knotted up at 1-1, one one, and Brandon Isert maintained the tie with another 1-2-3 inning, including two more strikeouts. Oregon State came out in the top of the fifth, trying not just to tie the game, but to break the tie, starting with Zach Taylor. I knew that I needed to, you know, put together a good at-bat, get on base. The wind, it's not heavy, but blowing in from left. A ground ball off the glove of the diving Casey Martin and into left field for a base hit. Zach Taylor... A one-out single, that's the first ground ball of any kind, as you say, and it's goes for a hit. nudge through the six-hole yeah. for a base hit, and here's Preston Jones. I would love to see Preston bunt for a base hit here. Jones is bunting now and pushes it up along the third baseline. This is going to be trouble and no play. A base hit for Preston Jones on the perfectly executed drag bunt. Two on, one out for Nick Madrigal in a 1-1 tie. A great moment for Preston Jones, although it would also be easy to understand if Stephen Kwan was having mixed feelings, both happy for Preston and the team, but also frustrated it wasn't him in that situation. But it really wasn't like that for Kwani. It didn't really seem, it wasn't really hard for me, you know, like me and Preston, you know, really good friends, so it was nothing wrong, there was no bitterness. There was a pitching change at this point, so Kwani could personally congratulate Preston on the good bunt. The thing I actually remember about that is the umpire told me to get off the field. And I was like, hey, man, I'm just handing him a water. And he's like, no, like, I know you're not playing this game. Like, you got to get off the field. And I think he was a Pac-12 umpire, too. So I was like, hey, like, hey, like, it's good, man. Like, I'm just getting him a water. I'm going to get off. Like, I mean, I was getting a little bitter at that point with him just kind of kicking me off the field. I'm like, I'm just trying to help him here. What might help Quan's mood a little bit is Nick Madrigal getting a base hit. Now, Nick was 0 for 6 so far in the final series, but he did not need a hit this time. He walked on four pitches. So, bases loaded, one out, Caden Grenier to the plate against new pitcher Jake Reindel. Well, they uh, they put in like a sidearm submarine guy, and, uh, and so I decided that I was going to lay down a bunt. That was going to be my best option, you know, and for whatever reason, I, I felt like I didn't have the advantage where I thought I was going to hit into a double play, and so I figured, you know what, decided to go for it. 1-1, one, one, top of the fifth inning, 1-1 one one to Caden Grenier, a good butter. Taylor at third, Jones at second, Madrigal at first, a bunt up along third, coming into the plate is Taylor, he scores, the throw to first, not in time! Grenier beats it out and the Beavers lead it 2-1. to one. I laid down a drag bunt and ended up being perfect and was able to beat it out. And, uh, it worked a lot better than I thought it was going to. It was executed beautifully. Good job by the runner at third base, Zach Taylor. Understand that, hey, Caden may bunt here because you've got to beat it home. And all I can say about that is learn to bunt, kids. Caden's not joking. He really did have to learn to bunt at OSU. It's like Caden said, you know, he, he laid down a drag bunt on his own with the bases loaded, and I'm going, wow. You know, uh, when he was a freshman, he said, I've never bunted in my life, coach. You know, and so I said, well, the way you're hitting now, you need to learn how to bunt. So uh, he's, he's made some great adjustments, and um, that was big. Caden's bunt gave OSU a 2-1 to lead in the fifth inning. With the second pitching change of the frame, Cole Ramage came in to face Trevor Larnick with the bases loaded and still only one out. And the 1-2 change up to Larnick. 
Swung on and missed, strike three, two down. And Jim, all the momentum that the Beavers have generated goes away if you don't add something else here. The strike two pitch, Adley hits it slowly to the first baseman, fielded by Gates, steps on the bag, and the Beavers get just one out of the deal when they had a chance to break it open. After keeping Arkansas scoreless in the third and fourth innings, Brandon Eisert allowed a one-out single in the fifth, and then came freshman Heston Kerstad. Kerstad is just a man among boys, and you could tell that even his freshman year that he was going to be a great player. He brings a bat that was unparalleled even as a freshman back then. Kerstad would become the second overall pick a couple years later and had an impactful at-bat here in the fifth inning, even though he did not hit the ball particularly well. Strike one pitch popped up into shallow left field. A long run for Kyle Novak and too long. It's down for a base hit. A bloop single to left field and Arkansas has the tying run at second. Heston Kerstad hitting one to no man's land. Luke Bonfield the batter. A little bloop single kept the inning rolling and that brought up Luke Bonfield with the tying run at second base here in the bottom of the fifth. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things I really distinctly remember when Arkansas would score, something would happen, that place erupted. Martin at second, Kerstad at first, one out. The 1-1 pitch has popped up to left field in shallow, a bad read. The ball is in no man's land, and it lands for a base hit. Preston Jones picks it up. Kyle Novak slow to the plate to try to get Casey Martin. He's safe. The game is even at two. A bad read and left by Novak, and another dunker to center. And the ball game is even on a ball that probably should have been caught by Novak, a 2-2 tie. The ball was off the fists of the hitter, Bonfield, and I don't think Kyle Novak read it. He couldn't tell whether the ball was struck well or not. I remember being fired up because we had a scouting report, right, that was very to the T of where we were playing a lot of these guys. You know, at this point, like I said, I was kind of banged up a little bit, but I was playing really deep and they kept hitting these bloopers and it was, it was getting me fired up because I, I could make these plays, but I was playing so deep. So there was a little bit of frustration in the middle of the game that I remember of, I'm thinking, man, like I could go catch these balls and I'm not making these plays. Oregon State had a very good opportunity to throw Casey Martin out. They who, did. Who was rounding third at the same time that Novak was picking up the baseball, but Novak with no momentum and Casey Martin rounding third with all the speed in the world, Novak made a good throw. After that, a fielder's choice put runners on the corners with two outs before Carson Shaddy tried to break the tie. Isert from the stretch, the strike two pitch is a line drive. Base hit to left field. The go-ahead run scores in Kerstad and digging for third base. And getting there is Fletcher without a play. And Arkansas with the lead back at 3-2. to two. Jim, was that a strike two pitch over the middle? I believe it was. Yeah, a lot of plate from the 0-2 pitch. Iser then got out of the inning to keep the score 3-2, to two, but the one-run margin made it that much more frustrating. The Beavers had left the bases loaded the inning prior. It just seemed like it didn't matter what we did. They were able to come back and put more runs up on the board, even though we were able to come back and kept clawing our way back in the game. It just seemed like we never were able to get over that hump. It was around this time that, being a few innings away from potentially sweeping Oregon State, the Arkansas fans were feeling pretty good about their chances. One of the more vociferous of the many Arkansas fan sections is the one out in the right field bleachers. That looked from my vantage point to be mostly the Arkansas student body. Keep in mind that OSU's right fielder is Trevor Lernick. 
Trevor had struck out his last two at-bats, including a bases-loaded punch-out. Now that the Arkansas fans have the score in their favor, they were not letting Trevor forget his shortcomings. We're out there, and we can look right down on what's happening. That Arkansas fan base is just roasting Larnick for the following two or three innings. Trevor sucks. Lots of other nasty stuff. Chance, I mean, organized chance of getting on Larnick's case. He's professional about it. He ignores them, just plays the game. Whole right field section was chanting Trevor sucks all game long, loudly, right in his ear all game, just Trevor. And he was just ignoring them completely, you know, not feeding into it all. Trevor is such a level-headed dude. I mean, he handles pressure so well. I think they were chanting Trevor's girlfriend's name and all kinds of stuff. I just remember they were just chanting his girlfriend's name out. It was just relentless. It wasn't for like four or five. It was like the whole inning. <laughs> it was really funny because it wasn't very malicious. It was just like, Jessica Garcia, Jessica, and it just wouldn't stop. Stephen Kwan, Jack Anderson, and Kyle Novak all had a front row seat to hear what fans were yelling at Larnick because they were all outfielders themselves, and they also got their fair share of attention directed at them over the course of the series. That started in batting practice, like just yelling your name, yelling stuff you didn't, didn't want to hear. I remember asking Novak how they are and left, and he's like, the ruthless dude, the ruthless. And I was like, gosh, I can't wait to go out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were saying my name every two seconds, three seconds. They were doing everything they could to distract me. One guy would yell your name, and then like another hundred people would just say, you suck. And they would just do that like the whole inning. So it was just like so annoying. What I tried to do is look at it in a way that, you know, this isn't negative, but I could use it and not let it affect me and almost feel me. You just had to, like, focus, don't look back, don't look back kind of thing. But they did a good job of kind of getting in our heads a little bit, for sure, especially with how many of them there were out there. It was definitely organized. Some of the chanting was just funny or harmlessly annoying, but ask any of the outfielders and they'll probably say some of the stuff they heard does not bear repeating. They were ruthless, for sure. I even told my my family at dinner I was like don't go out to left field because you're gonna be hearing some stuff you don't want to hear Kyle Novak was playing left field in game two not a lot of it was uh I would say on the positive end I mean they wanted to win right and a lot of these guys are drinking beers and you know getting all liquored up so they, they got that liquid courage Josh and they were just let me have it for Stephen Kwan, he heard most of the taunts when he was playing in Game 1, or even more so in pre-game warm-ups, and the Arkansas fans were teasing the 5'9 center fielder about his height. I remember they'd look at me and they go, hey, four, stand up, and then everybody start laughing. That, that's always a, a solid one. If height jokes weren't enough already, it did not stop there for Kwan. It was a lot of, uh, actually, a lot of Asian jokes that, you know, I'm used to, but there was definitely more from them than uh, other teams that I've been chirped at. So that was something I remember very fondly, not in a good way, but I remember those very well. So all of the outfielders were taking a verbal beating during the series, but at this point in particular in Game 2, with Trevor Larnick's two strikeouts and the fans in right field being closest to him, he's taking the brunt of it. He doesn't lash back, but it might be a while before he has a chance to redeem himself at the plate since he had just been up. For now, Arkansas is in command, leading 3-2 after five innings, but the momentum swings are not over yet. Gretler swings and it's a ground ball to Casey Martin at third. Casey's throw is wide and Gretler started to go to second. Now he'll hold. Tyler Malone swings and rips it into center field for a base hit. Gretler will go to third, getting the ball back in is Dominic Fletcher. 
Next up in the order was Kyle Novak, but Pat Casey sent up a pinch hitter. Jack Anderson, who's a good bunter and defensive outfielder, came in to replace Novak. And from Kyle Novak's perspective, since he's a senior playing in an elimination game that OSU is losing, he may have just spent his final moments competing for Oregon State. One of the things I always try to do on, on a field was always be aware of my thoughts. What was going through my mind? Absolutely, it went through my mind. But at the same time, you know, 80% of human thought is negative. It's always going to give us our negative thoughts. So I was always trying to train that out of myself. Of course, I was aware of it, but in the moment I switched out of it, I said, we can do this. We can fight. I tried to be a cheerleader. I tried to help. The emotions were so high. I felt like I lost 10 years on my life. Every single pitch, I mean, everything was riding on the moment. I still believed, though. I still believed. Oregon State would need to come back from the one-run deficit to extend the season one more day, and with it, Kyle Novak's career. And we'll see Jack Anderson bat for Kyle Novak. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jack Anderson in that safety squeeze that Pat Casey loves to do with runners on first and third. I finally watched that like a couple weeks ago that, at bat, and I was just like sweating. Like I still like sweat thinking about that moment. It was like no outs first and third, and I kind of knew I was going to get a bunt and felt fine doing it and just like kept my head down the whole time, and I looked up and just saw the little arc, and I was like, not one of these, come on. And now the safety squeeze is on, bunted in the air, caught by Ramage, back to third, double play, two down. Kind of been the story of the last two days, Mike, is the inability to get runners home. Yeah, once that happened, going back to the dugout and being like, now I got to go out in the outfield and deal with people telling me how bad I am at bunting and stuff like that. That was definitely the toughest moment of my career. And at that point, I thought that was going to be my last at bat. That was kind of tough. Just kind of the unlucky draw of that at bat in that scenario. Zach Taylor was in the on-deck circle just a few yards away from Jack Anderson as the bunt went awry. At the same time, like, you know, it happens. It's like, that's baseball. You're, you're going to fail more times than not and just happen to happen in that situation. Zach Taylor now had to step up to the plate with two outs and only a runner at first. A strike one pitch to Taylor. Ground ball to Casey Martin at third. He throws across the diamond. And a promising any moments ago. First and third, nobody out is done for the Beavers in the sixth. The Beavers had two back-breaking moments in consecutive innings. Trevor Larnick and Adley Rutschman having the bases loaded in the fifth, then runners on the corners, no outs in the sixth, and the Beavers got zero runs out of those two situations. Got a push bone on with our best runner on the team, who's done it many, many times. Uh, we had the bases loaded with our three and four guys up who have been outstanding, and uh, baseball's unforgiving. With only three innings left, the Beavers were trailing by a run, potentially about to be swept by Arkansas, feeling like the umpires were against them, and it was starting to crescendo when Arkansas was at bat in the sixth. 1-1 one, one pitch, a check swing, no swing, and the Beaver dugout goes crazy. Pat Casey is all over the Joker at third base who says no swing. Casey's getting frustrated, Casey there's no question. Casey is so agitated. Home plate umpire Jeff Hendricks is talking to Pat Casey. I think he's issued a warning to the Beaver dugout. And it's not this one pitch, Mike. And I don't even know if he went or not, to be honest with you. In fact, he did go, as I watch a replay right now. He did, in fact, go. It should have been a called strike from the third base umpire. But it's the culmination, Mike. It's not that one pitch. It's that. It's a, just a buildup. 
at some point it felt very helpless you know when we're doing what we do and we believe we have a good shot at it and it just gets taken out of our hands so that was really unfortunate and we just you know, like we never were able to get over that hump obviously right on the heels of the first night which we couldn't get anything going it was an interesting situation because i mean at least me personally it kind of started feeling like the year before again Tyler Malone started thinking of the 2017 College World Series losses to LSU that sent the Beavers home. Because that game, it's like we just didn't really like do anything. And it was weird because we were so confident in ourselves that we would find a way to, you know, come out on top. But it just didn't happen. The 2018 squad had learned, well, last year we had all the confidence in the world that we would win and we still lost. So even if we're so confident that we're going to win this year, that's not necessarily a guarantee we will win. I didn't want to go through that again. I bet nobody else wanted to go through that again. So just kind of that similar point, I felt like started to motivate us to get something done. You kind of have your backs against the wall, but it's like, that's kind of how we wanted it. It's at that time, it's like, there's no room to think about, oh, what if you just got to play fearless and you got to go all in. And we were already in that setting last year. We knew what it felt like to come close and lose. So there was a little bit of worry in my mind, but you would have never known that if you were in the dugout, you know, this was a team that we never worried about anything until, you know, it was over. And so at that point, it was just, you know, just going kind of balls to the wall and playing the game that we could. We knew we had the right pieces. We knew we had the right squad. Zach Taylor made the first out of the inning, catching a pot fly, and then Jack Anderson caught a ball in left field. So maybe it's of some solace that the two batters to cause outs in the top of the sixth inning recorded outs in the bottom of the sixth. One more out, and Brandon Isert would have a 1-2-3 inning. The 3-2 pitch is strike three called. Eric Cole strikes out and the inning is over. We go to the top of the seventh inning in this elimination affair. The Razorbacks three and the Beavers two. Preston Jones to lead things off for the Beavers in the top of the seventh inning. Lowski delivers, strike three called. One away, so Madrigal will come to the plate trying to be the catalyst. Arkansas has it set up. They've got Lowski and then Cronin and, and Van Horn will try to play that combination out and win the program's first national championship. The Beavers, of course, now with eight outs remaining them. And two pitches later, it would be down to seven outs remaining as Nick Madrigal flew out to center field. Barrett Lowski is the pitcher for Arkansas, and while he's talented, it's really Matt Cronin, the closer, you have to worry about. And the longer Lowski can stay in, the more fresh Cronin will be for the ninth inning. Trevor Lornick on deck. If Grenier gets on, he gives Lornick a chance for the one big fly. The pitch to Caden, a line drive. Base hit to center field. Well struck. And Trevor Lornick will get a chance, Jim. This is... I feel like, I mean, I know that he struck out in his last two at-bats and perhaps none more painful than the strikeout last inning. But this is a guy up, a slugger with the 18 homers. If he can get a pitch in the right spot, he could turn it around with one big swing. After handling jeers and catcalls all day long from the Arkansas fans in right field, Trevor Larnick had a chance at some vindication with the tying run aboard. Trevor out of the box looking at Andy Jenkins going through the signs at third. Billy Rao hit a memorable home run to pull the Beavers ahead in 2006 in the second game of the series. Trevor takes a good fastball here, knee high on the inner half for a strike. The count one and one. Jimmy, I see you shaking your head a bit. You don't think that's a strike? Bottom of the zone. It hasn't been a strike. Lowski from the stretch. Larnick takes strike two on the outside corner. Trevor has struck out in his last two at-bats, and I, I feel like, Jim, he's 
He's pressed a little bit in those last two appearances, and now instead of 2-0, which you thought it should have been, now it's 1-2, and, and this Arkansas crowd, and, and they are certainly here in gigantic numbers, throwing down the noise on behalf of Lowski. Trevor's really got a battle now. The 1-2 pitch, Larnica ground ball to short, fielded by the shortstop, Biggers, who runs to the bag for the out. The inning is over. The Beavers are down to their final six outs in the 2018 season. As dispiriting as it was for Oregon State to retain the 3-2 deficit, the good thing is that Brandon Eisert had kept Arkansas at three runs, and he got the first two batters out in the bottom of the seventh. But with Eisert closing in on 80 pitches, he was nearing the end of the line. Brandon Eisert from the stretch, the lefty kicks and delivers, and there's an extra base hit coming for Bonfield into the left field corner. Jack Anderson plays the ball at the 335 mark, and pulling into second is Bonfield with a two-out double. It does feel, Jim, as though a run is a backbreaker. The Beavers down 3-2, to two, down to their final six outs. Kevin Abel was stretching in the bullpen, but Brandon Eisert was good for one more at-bat. Eisert kicks and comes 2-2, swung on and missed. Strike three, the inning is over. Important strikeout for Brandon Eisert. The Beavers are run down, go to the eighth, trying to battle back again. And leading off the eighth inning, Adley Rutschman. The 3-2 pitch to Rutschman, banged into center field, base hit. What a ball player. Adley Rutschman, when you talk about improvement, Jim, from last year to this, offensively off the charts, a leadoff single here, the tying run on base in the top of the eighth inning. Adley Rutschman started with a single, Michael Gretler bunted him over, and that got Barrett Lowski out of the game. Enter Matt Cronin. Cronin picked up his 14th save in last night's ball game. There was just so much confidence in what Matt could do. Arkansas fans, and even us in the media too, you know, we're like, well, the game's over. Here comes Cronin. Cronin had notched his school record 14th save in game one, although that's the thing working in OSU's favor. That game one was the night before, so Cronin was pitching on zero days rest, and now by entering in the eighth inning, he'll have to face at least five hitters rather than just a three-out save. He could use a quick inning here, and he's got to face Tyler Malone with a runner already on first base. Cronin from the stretch. The lefty delivers Malone a big swing and a miss. 0-1 to count. That's 94 per, Jim. That's strength against strength right there. He challenges Malone, and Tyler swings over the top. Later in the at-bat, Adley Rutschman got to third on a pass ball, so Tyler Malone could tie the game with a sack fly if he got anything to hit from Matt Cronin. He's good. So, like, his fastball, he's got a super heavy fastball, you know, mid to upper 90s. I was trying to battle, you know, as much as I possibly can. The closer, Cronin, summoned here in the eighth. Rutschman at third, one out. Three to two, Arkansas. Malone awaits. Kept fouling pitches off, fouling pitches off, fouling pitches off, and then I swung through one. The three-two pitch on the way to Tyler is swung on and missed. Strike three, two down. Tremendous battle, and Cronin wins it on the ninth pitch of the A-B. So with two outs, the tying run at third base, Oregon State was pulling out all the stops. And the batter will be Stephen Kwan to pinch hit. I really appreciated Case's belief in me, like not just a bunt situation, but like a hitting situation in there. So I, I really appreciated his faith in me in that. Kwan not able to go tonight. He started in center field last night, went one for four. 
If he hits the ball on the ground, a guy who has elite speed just doesn't have it tonight. He's going to need to find a hole somewhere, one would think. Adley Rutschman waited 90 feet away, hoping this would not be the third straight inning OSU stranded the tying run. If Quan hits the ball, it's likely to be something to the left side. He's did such a good job of staying inside the ball, low and hard to left field or playing shallow. Rutschman at third, two down, three to two Razorbacks. The 2-1 pitch to Quan, and he slices one to left and out of play. Quan's in there now, trying to come through with a pressure hit. Rutschman at third, two down, top of the eighth. Three to two, Arkansas. The left-hander ready. The 2-2 pitch, fouled away again. Quan looking for a pitch he can handle to pull his ball club even. Cronin's 2-2 pitch, a soft fly ball to left. It's playable. Kierstad over, makes the catch. The inning is over. The Beavers again with a runner at third and less than two, and don't get them home. I might have had a little bit of worry, and I'm sure most of the guys were like, are we actually going to lose right here? Maybe in that instance, I'd say, you know, there was some, some fear and some doubt that crept into our head, 5%, 10%. But I think I've just been spoiled and blessed by this team that we just figure it out a lot of times. Like, it just ends up working out. So I think there was some ignorance in my head that was like, ah, this will work out. This has been episode 14 of Dynasty in the Woods. On the next episode, we finish out the final moments of game two. Please remember to support the charities we mentioned on this podcast. In fact, if you donate any amount of money, you can listen to the remaining episodes ahead of schedule. Radio broadcasts used with permission from Learfield IMG College. I've been your host, Josh Warden. Talk with you next week.